Mike, what are we talking about on today's episode of Moving the Goalposts? We touch on a lot. We're going to talk about the bubble MVP, Damian Lillard. We preview the Celtics 76ers series. We also move on, touch on the Tuka Rath situation and how the Bruins will fare without him. Yeah, we're also going to talk about some of our experiences working the old retail game. So don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating, review, and tell a friend. Moving the goalposts wherever you listen. It's just a public service announcement sponsored by Just Blaze and the good folks at Rockefeller Records. Fellow Americans, it is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and recollection of history in the making during our generation. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho, O, H to the O-V. I used to move snowflakes by the O-V. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Moving the Goalposts, the sports and lifestyle podcast that's not afraid to tell it how it is. My name is Nick Mara, and I am joined by my co-host, Mike Masala. Mike, how are you now? Not too bad, brother. How are you? That's bad. You can check out our social media profiles on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at NickMara94. Mike, where can the listeners reach you? You can find me on Twitter, Mike underscore Masala, M-A-S-A-L-A. And on Instagram, Mike Masala NFL. You guys can also be sure to check out our social media profiles for the Moving the Goal Posts podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Moving the Posts. Mello looking. Lillard, five to shoot. A minute and a half to play. That's a bomb! Oh, oh my gosh! Ridiculous! Damian Lillard! The NBA bubble MVP. Damian Lillard. We all knew that this guy was a all-NBA level talent. What he did in these last nine games was extremely impressive and should put the whole league on notice. And I think that's kind of the, the most impressive part is he did it in nine games, whereas everybody else had to play eight. It's like right. he had an, an actual playoff game included in the games that meant more than anything. Uh-huh. To me, it's, it's, it's less about Portland getting in because Portland's a good team. Like they, they have good players. It's the performances. It's like these, I'm just get on my back guys. I'm going to take you to where we're going to go. And that's what's kind of setting up this fantasy idea of them taking down Los Angeles in the first round. It would be extremely tough for them to do it, but the talents there, like whatever McCollum is, there's been a lot of people saying that he, did I hear right that he got hurt this last game? No. So I saw that on social media, there was like a reference to Mike Tyson, like saying that he broke his back. Yeah. That's what I saw. But I didn't know if it was a joke or not. I think if the guy broke his back, he would have actually been like carried off in a stretcher. Right. Or a wheelchair like Paul Pierce. Yeah, because he had to use the restroom. <laughs> oh, he had already <laughs> used the restroom. <laughs> um, yeah, this is I'm seeing USA Today. Damian Lord, I mean, CJ McCollum battled through back band. Doesn't necessarily say that he broke his back, but yeah, back yeah, pain. I mean. That 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 talent is there for that team. Like Damian Lord and CJ McCollum, they're enough to compete with the best in the NBA. The problem is you're competing against LeBron, or, or you could be competing against LeBron, AD, or Kawhi and and Paul George. 
that's what you're battling with in the West. I think, uh, to be honest with you, if they were to not be in Portland, but be in Miami, they win that division. Oh, yeah. Like if Easy. Miami, if Miami had minus Jimmy Butler, so let's say if you traded Jimmy Butler to Portland and you traded Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum to Miami, I think Miami not only makes the playoffs, but are competing for a conference championship. Yeah. They'll be a top seed for sure. And those, those guys, they're killers. I mean, they're, they're proven clutch time performers. Damian Lillard in that, those nine games, 36.9 points per game, 9.7 assists, four rebounds, averaged 49, 43, 90 slash line. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, one percentage point off of the, the fairy tale 50, 40, 90 guy, which is like the best thing you can be in the NBA. Yeah. Like, he um, he reminds me a lot. First of all, I always forget how old he is. I was looking it up today. Mm-hmm. He's a year older than. Drum roll, please. Ricky Rubio. Yeah, who is ancient, as we all learned. Yeah, I, I my first introduction to Damian Lillard was actually in a Madden commercial, where, <laughs> like, he was on the a motorcycle with like a girl on the back of the motorcycle and like Dave Franco was doing something. Do you happen to remember this at all? No, I don't. I don't think I do, but I would love to put in the audio right here. Goodness. Yeah. Uh, Damien, just the guy is incredible over and over and over every time, every year he makes a clutch shot. He does has a clutch performance down the stretch. He is one of the most entertaining players in the NBA. It's not just too that his shots are clutch, it's that he makes them from half court. Right. Like the whole the whole thing, I, Paul George was it last year, the year before. That that's just a bad shot. I don't know how, how you want to take it. Like, yeah, he shot it from half court. He makes it every time. <laughs> All right, so you're gonna you're gonna have to explain that one to me because I'm out of the loop. I'm I'm typically out of the loop on the NBA drama. You know, I, I just can't keep up with it. I, I more or less have an idea of how good the teams are and who the key players are. And mm-hmm. I know, like, what wins games, unlike some people who watch basketball and they just sort of, like, spew off about whatever, you know, green teamer logic <laughs> is going on next. Like, I'm glad that I got into basketball later in life, like, quote-unquote, later in life and with Isaiah Thomas because it taught me about appreciating what the Celtics can be without just being given 17 championships. Right. And I mean, like the 27 rings logic for the Yankees. Yeah. That's the the Celtics won all most of their championships when they were like six teams in the league. So it's not, not something to go around screaming about now, but yeah, no, I think it was last year. Yeah. Last year, um, Damian Lillard hit a game-winning shot over Paul George, and it was from 37 feet out. So, dude just pulled up from an extreme range. And after the game, Paul George said it was a bad shot. <laughs> he, I mean, he drained it. It was yeah. a game winner. And then so Dam- Damian Lillard went on a podcast like a couple days later, and it was like for him to say it's a bad shot. That's just kind of being a poor sport. If anything, it was bad defense. Is I love everything about. <laughs> the, the NBA off I the court. Just can't, <laughs> I it. can't keep up with it. I can't, and I know I'm gonna I'm gonna sound like an old man, but it's just 
like we we were talking about sneakers, right? Or, yeah. or you know, we, we we talked about sneakers, and I just it doesn't appeal to me other than a very small portion, uh, and it's mm-hmm. a classic retro. Like I think I would have loved watching basketball in the eighties. I think I would have absolutely loved it. That, but I'm, I'm hard nosed lunch pail. But I'm attitude. so but I'm so glad that I grew up with like the Golden State Warriors style of basketball mm-hmm. where it's just like run and gun, jack up threes, fast pace. And like, there's still defense, but it's more talented defense than anything else. Right. And, you know, I, I, I again, it's like I watch basketball because I think I am entertained by the sport, not because I love basketball. Right. It's a, it's a lot about the stories, too. For like for me, like, following along, basketball Twitter is a whole nother world. And just to follow along with the stories of things that happen, people's ridiculous and outlandish takes on just about everything, it just adds, like, a whole nother layer. I think we talked about this last week with uh, like theories for TV shows and how that makes it that much better. Like (laughs) theories and having a collective group of people to uh, like bounce ideas off of, or just to hear people spew ridiculous nonsense that it it, like heightens the, the entertainment for me. So like having basketball Twitter, having, I mean, he said it was a bad shot. The shot, the shot went in. Went in. What is it that uh, Wayne Gretzky said, or, or was it Wayne Gretzky? No, Michael Scott. Michael Scott, Michael yeah, Scott said it. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Mm-hmm. Those are the bad ones. Classic Michael Scott quote. Tatum wanted to post up on the left side of the floor. Hayward got into the paint, and Bede picked him up on the switch. Boy, what a great shot by Gordon Hayward, who is looking like the all-star. All right, Mike, so we finally have ourselves a, uh, a true matchup for postseason basketball. We're going to be seeing the the number three seed in the East, the, the Boston Celtics taking on the number six seed in the East, the Philadelphia 76ers in name only because this is not their team. Mm-hmm. It's, this just, is, it's not their team. It's just, it, it's completely different than the team we thought we were seeing a couple weeks ago when I uh, said how scared I was of this team come playoff time and, we're just not, we're just not facing that team anymore. Now, is is Joel Embiid healthy, or is he like he's done? He's not playing, or he's like questionable day to day, that type of thing. Because if there's no Joel Embiid, it certainly changes things. I mean, I think you're looking at a four or five game series where Boston, you know, could beat them so badly in the first three that Philadelphia is just like, yeah, no thanks, mm-hmm. just take it because Joel- like. You're getting out of quarantine, like if you have a team down three nothing in basketball, I know for a fact you're going to be having teams mailing it in. That might even happen at two nothing. Oh, yeah. Hockey might be a little bit of a different story, but and we'll we'll see it. But I think that uh, Philadelphia is just lame duck. It's very similar to Indiana last year, which was not a good thing. What mm-hmm. do you think is going to be the result this season? Um. See, like, jo- Joel is – I think he is going to play because he played Friday, and he was – I mean, 
he didn't play a full allotment of minutes. I think their seating was also already determined, so that might play a factor into it as well. But I don't think he's 100% healthy. And, that I mean, that's a guy who's constantly injured. But like you said, if the Celtics can get out to a, a two-game lead on, in this series, they can easily shut the door on the 76ers. They're, without Ben Simmons, without a fully healthy Joel Embiid, I mean, that's a team led by, like, Tobias Harris. And Al and, Horford. And, and old man Al Horford. Yeah. If you go down the list, the starting rotation of each team right now, I would say I would give the Celtics four out of five positions, and that's giving the 76ers Embiid. That's giving them the win on center. Well, who do you have at the four for Boston? I would I would consider see this is this is the tough thing is like I guess technically you don't know what they're going to end up doing. Do they put Tice at the five? Cantor at the five, Robert Williams at the five, and then that would decide your four. But they're is not it? gonna they would never put Robert Williams at the five to start the game. They might do Cantor just mm. because of the size matchup. I don't know. Cantor's your only seven footer. Is he I seven don't know. Feet? Is Robert seven feet? Uh, I think he's either 6'11 or 7 feet. All right. Like, yeah, because Williams is 6'10", and he's skinny, and he's probably going to clog up the offense, which you're going to want to take advantage of the lack of a backcourt that Philadelphia has. The point of having Robert Williams there, he he can't shoot. At least Cantor can can get off somewhat of a jump shot. He's not strictly like an under-the-basket player. Is he? I don't know. No, Ennis Cantor can do a little bit. This is this is my thing with Ennis Cantor. He's he's good offensively. He's a he's a solid. <laughs> he's a solid bottom first team center. Like he would be, he'd be a great backup center. Yeah, <laughs> he he would be a really strong backup center. But he's. I mean, he's just on the Celtics, and this they is, refuse to draft a center. This is probably the level of, like, drama that I get into for basketball. I'm very entertained by Ennis Cantor. I think he's got a great personality. I think he's super mm-hmm. funny, and I like what he stands for in a lot of a lot of situations. Um, I, I think I probably overrate him because of that. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I, I couldn't I think tell a lot you anything do. about him, but he just seems like such a nice guy. Like, uh He's a uh, root for a guy like that. Yeah, I mean, he's he's entertaining. He seems to be doing a lot in the political landscape of Turkey, which is not something I'm super familiar with. Oh, I have but, no idea about it, but it seems like it's a good thing. Yeah, it seems like what he's doing is is good. I think, uh, but but in general, I like. I'm not sure what the Celtics are going to end up doing. And honestly, I would probably put. Like Tice as your your five. I mean, Tice is definitely a player that has more mobility, and he'll fight. He'll he'll give you kind of like that Marcus Smart snarl. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's probably going to be a problem with him size wise. I mean, he's definitely going to be smaller, like significantly smaller than Embiid if he plays. Yeah, so uh, well, I think gonna... pretty much everybody you're going to put on Embiid is going to get. 
but you'll get better on-ball defense with with a guy like Tice because of his mobility. I don't right. think you're going to get that out of Williams. You're definitely not going to get that out of Cantor. Um, definitely not going to get that out of Taco Fall. Like I, but no matter no matter who you have it for, if you have if you have Gordon Hayward at four, or Daniel Tice at four, or Somehow Jason Tatum is technically four because Marcus Smart's playing in the starting lineup or something. Whatever yeah. they decide to do. I mean, Al Horford is just not the same guy this year that he was when he was with Boston. No. He's not just even close. He's just simply gotten worse. And like the Celtics are just a better overall team than the 76ers. The, if if they were both healthy and beaten Simmons, this would be this would be their toughest test yet. And you know what the interesting thing is with Horford is for for the longest time, he was labeled as this great locker room guy. Uh And was he ever the leader of the Celtics? I don't think so. I mean, Isaiah Thomas was. Right. Isaiah Thomas was the leader. Al Horford was never the leader. And then when Kyrie came in, it was Kyrie. Uh Should still be Kyrie. Debatable. (laughs) But Al Horford is is not this great leader and you're seeing that in philadelphia now with his inability to get you know potential perennial all-star talent you know Embiid is an all-star did did simmons make the all-star team this year uh i believe so yeah he may he may have he may not have but he you know he's he's all-star caliber and you just you can't do anything with them you can't make them better that's al horford's big thing right he makes everybody else better he does the little things he's great at setting screens at the top of the key in the low post game he can score from beyond the arc and he's not doing that now no and he's not leading he's showing that the physical stuff that he can't do at least the leadership stuff he should be able to do and he's not so i mean i i I think that you're very very valid in saying that the Celtics would win four out of five positions in the uh, in the draft if you were going to draft a lineup, right? With Embiid, if he's not in, or if he with, is in, yeah, with, with Embiid being, I mean, even still at like half strength, I think Embiid's probably still better than whatever center we decide to stroll out there, but mm-hmm. it's it's closer. Is what I'm just what I'm trying to say. The, I think this series should be over fairly quick. I think this is a four or five game series. Yep. I don't know if, I don't know if there are many teams that I would predict to sweep in this bubble scenario yet. Um, but I think this is a close close situation for that. I yeah. think I think it would be four or five for this for this game for the series. Yeah, I mean, I think they just they need to take care of business. They they need to. Just kind of like bear down, do the do your jobs, you know. Very cl- all the cliched stuff, uh-huh. you know. Like I watched the last dance during uh, May, uh-huh. like nearly everybody else on the planet, and got my Michael Jordan fill, and realized that was the type of team that they were, to a certain extent, because they like to have fun as well. Yeah, and they were not completely. You know, tame 100% of the time, Dennis Rodman. <laughs> um, 
But when they had to perform the way that they played, they did their job. And you don't really see that from a lot of teams anymore. The last team that I could say was the like grind it out. Um, you know, we're going to beat you because we're going to like out tough you and outwork you, but still had tremendous superstars. It was probably the 2014 uh, San Antonio Spurs. Yeah. Like you, you obviously had superstars. Uh-huh. Nobody wins without superstars anymore, but you know, they were that kind of like gritty team. That's what Boston needs to be again. That's why having Isaiah Thomas was what kind of drew me in because they were a hardworking underdog team. But they're not comfortable as underdogs. Right. They haven't been since, you know, the arrival of Brad Stevens back in 2014. So, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen from this point out, you know, as we preview the matchup against the 76ers and we say that they're, they're going to win and it's probably going to be in a sweep, maybe a gentleman's sweep. I mean, do we dare look forward to the second round or do we just kind of like let things play out so that we don't look like a bunch of assholes? Oh, like a week from now. I mean, I think you got to let things play out and then, um, I mean, like, game four will be – we'll be talking again after, right after game four happens. So we'll have a pretty good representation of what the series looks like at that point. Hell, it might even be over. Um, and then that, at that point, you reassess. You take a look, see how this has been playing, see if Jason Tatum's continuing to play at his level, can see if Kemba Walker's knees holding up, see if Gordon Hayward is able to – I mean – no one expected Gordon Hayward to come back and play like he has been in this bubble. He's, he's been pretty impressive. He hasn't been like Gordon Hayward of old. And I don't no, think no, he can't. He'll, never, I don't he'll think, never be that. He'll never be Gordon Hayward of old. He's just, especially he not on this team. No, he, he's a below the rim player. It's a different role now. It's a completely different role. He's expected to be, if he's in their starting lineup, he's your fourth option score. That's a pretty good situation to be in, but you're yeah. not going to be the, you're not going to be the, the Utah Jazz Gordon Hayward. That's not coming back. No. Utah Jazz Gordon Hayward isn't walking through that door. No, yeah. no, no, he's not. <laughs> you know. Um, but it would be nice to actually see him develop into maybe a little bit more of like a Clay Thompson type player then. Like Clay Thompson can absolutely slash to the basket and finish at the rim. And that's not necessarily Hayward's strength. But mm-hmm. if he could come off screens and be able to consistently hit from beyond the arc, I think that with his length, and his ability to defend, you know, you could still be quick on your feet. You just aren't going to be able to explode off your feet. Like, like everybody says, he's a below the rim player. I would classify Clay Thompson as more of a below the rim player. Uh-huh. So could he be Clay Thompson? I, I don't know necessarily the efficiency that Clay Thompson, because I'm one of those guys. I, I love Clay Thompson. I like Clay Thompson a lot too. Yeah. His just, just about everything he does is incredible. And he doesn't get the recognition that he deserves. So I don't know if he can necessarily be at the efficiency level that he was at, that Clay Thompson's played at. But if he can give you a good percentage of what Clay Thompson does, that that I'd take that all day. Yeah. But like his numbers, even this year, Gordon Hayward's numbers were at seven. He scored seventeen and a half a game. Like that's how many games did he play? Uh, he finished with fifty-two. 
which not a full season, obviously. But he probably would have finished with what? How many? Like, uh, could he have gotten into the sixties? Let's let's figure out this system. Because if he if he could give you sixty games, that's three quarters of the season. You know, you don't want to be spending thirty million dollars on somebody for three quarters of the season. But right. if he's going to average seventeen and a half points a game for you during those sixty games, yeah, then yeah, so he, they they. He played in 52 of 72 potential games. So, yeah, he technically could have gotten into the 60s, yes. They are so fortunate to have been able to draft Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. Like, just to be able to keep those guys' cost under control for... I mean, they're, they're going to be free agents coming up. Tatum is going to be an RFA at the end of this year, I think. And uh, you're going to have to pay them eventually. And you're going to have to make a decision on who you want to also pay around them. And at this point, I'm actually fairly confident that Tatum's going to re-sign with Boston. Uh-huh. Of course, you know, six years from now, we're going to be clipping this and sending it to freezing cold takes. But <laughs> As, Jaylen, uh, as uh, Jason Tatum finishes his, his third straight MVP year with the Los Angeles Lakers. Right. Oh, <laughs> I hope not. All right, but we do have... Boston defeating Philadelphia in the uh, in their series coming up, looking between four and five games. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts on Philadelphia as a whole or Boston's chances beyond that? As far as how far this team could make it, I think this team is overall the second best team in the conference. Mm. I. I do think they're better all around than Toronto. They could end up being in the Eastern Conference Finals, and that's that's just about their ceiling. The, it would be extremely, extremely impressive. And me, of all people who has been nonstop bashing this team all year, it would be extremely impressive, and I would, I would have to. I mean, I would just have to bow down to everything that they've done, if they won even three games in the Eastern Conference Finals. Wow. I would be very impressed. Well, I think I have a little bit more faith than than that. I mean, I think <laughs> that they could beat Milwaukee. I wouldn't be shocked if they win three games, but. I also wouldn't be shocked if Milwaukee gets knocked out before they have an opportunity to play the Celtics. Really? I, mean, I, don't, think, I don't think Orlando's going to take them out, but I could see Philadelphia, poss- or not Philadelphia, Indiana, possibly you know, taking a couple of notches and maybe getting a break or two along the way. You know, Again, Giannis is a, he's a superstar in the league. Milwaukee's not really that much of a draw. And with the way the NBA can be sometimes, you just got to wonder if they're setting things up for another LeBron James, Kevin Durant situation where I'm going to play the beginning portion of my career, the first half of my career somewhere, be really good, establish my game, not win anything, and then go to a, a big media market like Los Angeles or Miami or New York or, you know, you name it and be able to kind of put the team around him. 
Does Boston qualify as that if they can get rid of Hayward's contract and possibly Walker? I mean, I think they should. I don't I don't necessarily know if they do. And I don't know if they'd be willing to get rid of Kemba's contract. I think that's to I think that's that's I think that sets a bad precedent. Tell you what, how about we uh, we'll, we'll table that conversation for another day as well. <laughs> you know, would would the Celtics ever be able to be in a, a cap position where they could acquire Giannis via free agency and pair him with or put him with, not even pair him with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? Like that'd be an interesting scenario. That's your future. That's your fu- That's your current. <laughs> that's your future. That and then you just get nine schmucks to play with those guys. <laughs> From the Boston Bruins, we have general manager Don Sweeney. He'll make an opening statement, and then we'll go to Zoom for questions. Don. Good morning, everyone. Uh, just obviously um, want to open with uh, following up on on Tugaras' statement this morning that he has decided to uh, to leave. Uh, the NHL playoffs and bubble and, uh, and had to be back with his family. And uh, we understand completely where, where Tuca is coming from. Uh, I don't think it's any big surprise uh, to us, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, we're privy to uh, information maybe before uh, the rest of uh, the public is. And uh, this has been a difficult decision uh, for Tuca. Uh, but uh, the Boston Bruins are in full support of, of why he made this decision. All right, Mike. So for... You, for the listeners, for everybody involved, the uh, Boston Bruins had a little bit of a um, tragedy happen. Boy, did they. Um, We were unable to retain the the use of starting goaltender Tuka Rask. He, He made the decision to leave the quarantine and... I don't necessarily know why. I'm trying not to speculate. I'm trying to take in what the reporters are saying and exactly what the the feel of the situation is before I make too many judgments on what's been happening. Uh-huh. However, I'm not letting him off the hook. I'm not doing it. I I mean, I guess, yeah, go go ahead. Do what you got to do. So, so I'm going to rant very, very, very quickly. When I was in, oh, well, what would it be? Fifth grade. Fifth grade. Yeah, fourth, fifth grade. Right around there. Uh, I used to go to a fucking shit ton of Providence Bruins games. And we used to sit down close to the ice and there was a goalie on the team during the 0405 lockout named Hanu Toivinen. And he was from Finland. And I fucking fell in love with this guy. <laughs> it, it, it was it was like watching perfection, how fluid he was. I was a goal all right, so background, more background. I was a goaltender growing up when I played hockey. So watching him was like that's who I wanted to play like. He, I mean, he was good. He wasn't phenomenal. He really didn't have an NHL career at all. But he was also Finnish. 
and when he left the Bruins in 2006, I think, 2007, um, the Bruins acquired another goaltender, and it was Tuka Rask, and he was also Finnish. And I would say that I was a Rask fan from the start, but it's also unfortunate because I was never a Tim Thomas fan. That's a, that's like something you not you don't really hear a lot. <laughs> I don't I don't really know if I know anybody who wasn't a Tim Thomas fan. I could not stand Tim Thomas because he kept Hanu Toivonen from getting the job. Oh, in oh, this is this is my I can't stand Tom Brady because Brian Hoyer is the best thing the best thing since sliced bread. Take this is okay. This makes more sense. I mean, it, it's. Wait, do you really not like Tom Brady? <laughs> I went through a long stretch where I was like, oh, I love Brian Hoyer. No. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. This is going to be a really tough season for you, man. <laughs> what I really want to know is just what what are your your thoughts about the situation with Rask leaving? I've always been a big Rask defender. Um and there's been a there's been quite a lot to defend him for. Uh, the Ish is constantly bashed. Um, so as you probably saw, my immediate reaction was to tweet out that <laughs> that picture of Barney the purple dinosaur with multiple drinks in his hand and on the floor, just sad as sad can be. I seeing that news, I was I was upset. I mean, as you as you expect from a fan like you should be upset that your your goaltender is leaving but I also I understood it from I mean it, we're all going through a pandemic right now everybody's lives have changed we've all made sacrifices who knows what's going on in this guy's life I know he has I think he just had his third kid so he has a family at home and a newborn baby so I could I could understand maybe at some point you start to realize you start to think what's happening at home is my wife able to handle having all three kids there is my family able able to control having all three kids there are they all happy are they all healthy are they all safe I just can't really blame the guy for wanting to go be with his family during this any other time I would I would rip him with everybody else. I just this is not the time for me to do that. Yeah, no, I think um when it comes to family everybody has it's they have their own unique family situations. Um and what may be considered an emergency to one family is not considered an emergency to another family. And that's why I said that to me he deserves the the, the the expectation that things are okay. Mm-hmm. Like that that there's nothing super duper wrong. Don Sweeney came out and said that he Rask told him, you know, during the week that he, he was gonna go back and, and leave and opt out and they had come to an agreement. He didn't tell Cassidy though. That is my one problem with this entire situation. Okay. So at least we're on the same page with that. This but is very similar to what I said about Cespedes, like you you got to tell your boss that you're not going to work. Exactly. And we ripped Cespedes apart. And we mm-hmm. ripped the Mets organization apart for allowing it to happen. Yep. I think that we can forgive the organization for not allowing it to happen because 
of the situation that they're in. I think that you have to put blame on Rask for doing it the way he did it, doing it when he did it, and doing it at a time where, and this is going to sound very Michael Felger-esque, you just spent four months with your family, four and a half months with your family. You couldn't do two months without them, two and a half months without them. Yeah, it's a tough conversation to have, but I think it's included within the argument. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, it's different. It's completely different to ask a guy to go into a bubble and go stay away from his family than a normal season would be. Like, normal season, you're home, I mean, pretty frequently, Not ev- obviously not every night, but pretty frequently you can be at your house. You can be with your family. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just a different situation in general. And who knows what guys' mindsets are inside these bubbles like again you're away from your family you're away from just like the freedoms of being out with the rest of the world and we're all in some sort of oh i shouldn't say we all because some people more than others but a lot of people are in some sort of lockdown or quarantine still right um and it's affecting us all in different ways and so again i'm not really sure exactly if Rask is to blame for when he did it, but it is, it is the how the, the yeah. how for me, the, the not, the not telling Cassidy is that's the problem. Yeah. Like if you need help, if you need to leave, you go and you tell your boss, Hey, I'm not going to be able to do this. And everybody's been the, the reception from the Bruins has been pretty cordial and respectful like hey we all know what everybody's going through so like we respect this decision and whether or not they do i mean i guess you'll never really know the personal side of how people feel but i feel like everybody should be understanding of at least what what he decided and they maybe you don't agree with the time or or how but you you should at least respect the decision that he did leave yeah i mean and you'll find that a lot with hockey players, like, again, I'm not, I played in high school a little bit, mm-hmm. mostly rolled the pine, but was super fur to boys. Of course. Always. <laughs> Is he afraid of the moment? I mean, there have been times in his career where he I don't want to say he bags out of games. He opt he opts out of games. That's what we've been <laughs> talk, calling it recently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back in 2016, they were you know competing for the final playoff spot in their division, and he comes down with the runs or something. Like I had no idea what was going on with that. And then when in 2014 he was playing for the Finnish Olympic team, national team. Yep, I remember this. He bags out of the like the qualifying game for the gold medal. And then he, he and then he goes back and and plays in the bronze medal game and and they win the bronze medal game. Those are really the only two where I say that he kind of lost his his ability or he he lost his 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 mind not like he was insane or anything but Uh he was just kind of mentally fragile at that moment 
but I also think it's because he didn't care about those events as much as he cared about the cup finals and the, the actual playoff games. In 2010, when the, uh, the Bruins blew a 3-0 series lead against Philadelphia, Tukarask was not the problem. Tukarask was not the problem. Regardless of like age or experience, he was a rookie. He was 23 years old, like whatever. He was not the problem. So I do not think that it mentally affected him for the future where he was afraid of the big moment because up until that point, he performed very well. The team lost David Krejci in game three, and that changed the entire series, the entire series. But I also think it motivated them into winning the the cup back in 2011, Uh where Tim Thomas played out of his mind, absolutely out of his mind. And because I'm a Tuka guy, because it was like the replacement Hanu Toivonen, (laughs) and I didn't like Tim Thomas... I was very conflicted in 2011 yep. when they won. He, he, it, it took me probably about seven or eight years until I realized how insanely legendary that performance was. Mm-hmm. And for that, I do hold him as one of the better goalies in, in Bruins history. Um, I'm not 100% sure that people remember how his Boston tenure ended. Right. I don't think a lot of people do. Yeah. I mean, so he was a member of the 2011 Stanley Cup championship team that was invited to the White House in 2012. And he said that he was not going. And he was very clear of the reasons why he was not going and it was political uh-huh. and the Boston media. I mean, I wouldn't say that they were like ruthless at him. They were the Boston media. They were the Boston media and, and <laughs> Boston media tends to, I'll put it this way. Tim Thomas tends to disagree with a lot of what the Boston media says that's non-sports related. He's uh-huh. very Kurt Schilling-esque for those of you who know about Kurt Schilling. Right. Um, when Thomas decided he wasn't going to go to the White House and the Boston media started holding him accountable for it, he kind of shut things down. And then in the summer of 2012, there was a labor negotiation in the NHL where they were deciding whether or not they were going to be able to move forward with future seasons. And as a result of the labor negotiation, the season was delayed until the start of January or late January of 2013. And Tim Thomas was not on the Bruins roster because he said, I'm going to take this year off and spend time with my family uh-huh. and get things right before I return. And do you know what the Bruins did that year without Tim Thomas? Oh, what did they do again? They went to the Stanley Cup final with Tuka mm. Rask. Interesting. So once again, I'm not going to take everything off of Rask's shoulders, but I would certainly say that, I mean, the team was looking to transition at that point. I think they were definitely looking to transition at that point. But 
if you get another Tim Thomas-esque performance with that 2013 team, how good are you? Uh-huh. How, are you better than Chicago? I mean, there's no way of actually knowing, but right, it's a, you know. it's a, it's a yeah. discussion. All right. So we've talked about 2010. We've talked about 2013. The last big one that I think a lot of people hold uh, Tuka Rask accountable for is, is last year, 2019 game seven. I think Jordan Biddington just played a very good game. Yeah. Tuka Rask was phenomenal in the entire postseason run last year. Yeah. Phenomenal. And, yeah, because your team didn't win, because your first line wasn't able to show up, he gets the negative slack of, oh, he still hasn't won. Right. It's, it's unfair. Tuka Rask, in his career, in the regular season, is second all-time in, in save percentage. In postseason, he's 11th all-time. Tuka Rask has been a very good goalie. Hall of Famer? Statistically, he should be. So where do you think things are with the player and the team, the team and the organization. I mean, it certainly looked like they responded pretty well on Saturday when the news broke. It was a, a very entertaining game to watch. To me, I think it was like the first actual Bruins game I've seen since March mm-hmm. where they played a complete game and they beat the opponent. Right. So we're now brought up to present day where Boston currently at, at this moment of recording holds a 2-1 series lead over Carolina. Tuka Rask is gone. Yaroslav Halak is in. Daniel Vladar is the backup. Another guy who, from Providence. Who, who we're all familiar with. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Actually. When, Darth Vladar. Uh, Darth Vladar. I, lo- I love the. I love Darth this. Vladar. So Barstool. <laughs> You got to get on your Darth Vader shirts at some point. We're going to actually cut that. So I'm going to make these shirts and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> Can you make the shirt? I don't know. But moving the goalpost Darth Vader shirt would be pretty cool. The, the branding of, uh, yes, a moving the goalpost <laughs> Darth Vader shirt would be awesome. Similar to like the, uh, the old Darth Quader. Yes. Adam McQuaid. Perfect. Yeah. Even though he pronounces it Vladar, but, you know, whatever. Um, what situation do you think they're in to actually win the series? I think they're in a pretty good position right now. I mean, hopefully you get Pasternak back eventually. Like, what is going on with him? Yes, it was. Is it potentially because of that celebration? Is that is that? That's what I'm thinking. I mean, I haven't heard anything. I haven't seen anything officially reported. But it looked to me like it's like a hernia. Like he jumped and he had a hernia, and then he really kind of like ripped it up. Uh-huh. which a sports hernia, how long does that take to recover from surgery? And would they even be offering surgery at this point during the pandemic? Right. Like, who knows? It's Canada, though, so. True. I, I don't know. Like, I've heard Boston Radio this week talk a lot about it could potentially be a, a knee or a groin. or There's a lot of speculation, and that's kind of what – I mean that's what hockey brings itself with unfit to play designations. Yeah. Even even more uh, secretive than than lower body. <laughs> like, yeah. This yeah. this is what happens. This is what you brought yourself. Yeah. The fucking guy gets 
knocked out on the ice and everybody wants to know what's happened to him in the post game just to make sure that his brain's still working and the coach is like it's an upper body injury it's uh <laughs> you know we're, we're looking at uh, a day-to-day situation he's in the concussion protocol at this point so uh, you know you, you have to go through each step every every day and and get to the next tier before you can move on so i mean we don't want to put a timetable on it because of how the concussion <laughs> protocol situation actually works where you know you you, you just you kind of have to uh, achieve the next step and then move forward and and if you don't move forward you actually have to move backwards so i don't want to put a date on it for 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 sure you know no. i would love to attend a class where just coaches just tell us nothing like how they learn to say nothing in as many words as possible because that would have been really helpful in the all of the fucking college essays and and papers i wrote yeah. throughout <laughs> my time just to fill up the sheet i would love to learn how to do that i actually uh, you know what i did i listened to belichick's press conferences <laughs> yeah so <laughs> um yeah so i gave i gave them a pretty good shot with if Pasternak comes back, I think they have a, a great shot to win this series. Uh, what? Where do you stand on this? I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to lie going into the, the actual Stanley Cup playoffs, not the postseason as everybody's been calling it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that they were going to lose in five. With really? Tuka, with Tuka Rask. Really? Is and... that because of the play-in games? The whatever yeah. like the round robin tournament. It it was it was definitely because of the playing games and it was because of how they looked in the games. Chara was super slow. Um, you know, you were Pasternak was the one who was like unfit to participate, and then fuck, what do you know? He's unfit to participate again. So I mean, a lot of shits happened with the team, but I think that they look like a hockey team again. Like they, they look like a legitimate hockey team again. Uh, are we doing predictions? I mean, we can, we can go predictions. Should we go predictions? To the rest of the series, what you got? Bruins in seven. Mm, I still don't know if I like that. I'm still saying Bruins in six. Well, but now we're both saying Bruins, though, so we're both confident enough oh, that yeah. we're going to move on to the next round. We are. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think, I think they're a better team than Carolina. I mean, they've been the best team in, in hockey the entire year, and then they have three bad games after not playing for months, and everybody, the whole fucking sky falls. It's Boston media to a T. Well, they could have just been a fraudulent 100-point team. They could They're have the been f- a fraudulent regular season team. They've, we, this is Boston. We've seen fraudulent teams. with uh, The Patriots last year, fraudulent 12-4. and four. Oh, by by far. I, I tweeted every single week that they were the they that team stunk. I tweeted every single week. Yeah. <laughs> selling is service. And service is selling. Service is selling. And selling is service. So there's a customer who came in to the store that that I worked at. Yeah. And they had a broken stick because it's a hockey shop. Uh-huh. And every single composite hockey stick comes with a 30-day warranty that was covered by the manufacturer. And then through some type of talk, speak, I don't know, 
they negotiated a new kind of contract to allow for the sticks to be brought into the store and the exchange could be done in store. So we started having people coming into the store to exchange sticks that were broken and taking another stick off of our shelves. So we were giving them two sticks and then we were never receiving anything in return. Right. Why, <laughs> why would that make sense for the store? Like, what do you guys get out of it? What do we get out of it? We, <laughs> a broken we get, stick? We get, yeah, we get a broken stick in the exposure <laughs> of a mad customer because when we tell them, oh, sorry, it's only covered within 30 days. You bought it 35 days ago. Or this one's my favorite. I'm going to buy the stick now so that he can grow into it. Mm. And then they wait too long. And then the stick breaks when he uses it because it's too soft for him. And then they come back like a year later and say, oh, he just used this and broke it on his, like his first game. Yeah. And you say, sorry, there's nothing I can do. And you just get ripped the fuck apart. Well, and like, you'll try to make the, uh, you'll try to make everything seem right. And you're like, oh, like this is, unfortunately we can't do this. Um, this is store policy. And then you'll call over a manager and they'll be like, yeah, we can do that for you. So it makes it look like you're the bad guy. That shit used yeah. to happen to me all the time. Yeah. Like there was definitely people who came in that were like at, at the store I used to work at, they had, um, they had a pretty generous policy. I don't remember exactly what it was, but, uh, you could come back and you could return the shoes for, for no problem. As long as you had your receipt. Oh my god! And people would people would just come back with like shoes from like 2011, like eight years later, <laughs> and uh, like you could clearly see like, oh, we haven't made this shoe in like five years, um, and that yeah, like our managers would just be like, oh, that's fine, like you can have uh, you can have full store credit back for it, like what? Like you're just gonna give them like seventy, eighty dollars worth of free shoes because they had this shoe for eight years, wore the absolute shit out of it. And they can just get a new one because you don't want like you don't want a problem. That's hysterical because I know exactly what policy you're talking about because <laughs> I've heard of a story where it happened to someone that I know. Mm-hmm. There was a customer who walked into the store, bought a pair of shoes, and two weeks later returned them for a new pair of shoes after he had seal coated his driveway. <laughs> he bought running shoes seal coated his driveway ripped them apart came back two weeks later and got a free pair of shoes out of it and of course the person that he deals with originally is just a sales associate or well not a sales associate but someone who wasn't in charge of the entire store right so their ass is on the line if they start giving things away Uh he's like i can't do anything about that and then he just gets fucking ripped apart by his manager right I don't know. Like it should, it should, should just be common sense. I mean, the mad, the ridiculous things that happen in retail. I used to have <laughs> uh, at the store that I used to work at. There used to be a ton of, um, there used to be a ton of foreign people that would come in because they would like they would do tours to to the shopping center, mm-hmm. um, and they would like, I mean, you'd come in literally by bus, and it would be like a full bus load of of people who are touring, and. Uh, People would come in, they'd have like cutouts of like a Cheerios box that is a foot shape. They're like, oh, I measured my son, my son's shoe. Um, 
Can you can you find can you help me find this? They were me- um, like they measured the shoe or they measured the foot. They measured the foot on <laughs> on a on a shoe box and they cut around. That's okay. And they brought it in, I which can, is actually a decent idea. I can top that one. We used to get people that would come in and trace their foot and say, "Here's <laughs> a picture of my foot. Can I get a skate for it?" Like no joke, they would come in. They would have a footprint. And they would want us to measure it with like the branding device or whatever. Yeah. And say, can I get a skate? Like, <laughs> we're like, no. It like it doesn't work that way. So skates, skates are interesting too because the way that you fit them is based on volume now. At least yeah. that's kind of you know what um what, what we've been told. And again, it's like. People are so used to certain brands. They're so brand specific that they come in decades after they played in high school and they're like, oh, I want a pair of, uh, you know, Bauer Supreme 9000s. And we're like, well, they don't make those anymore. They still make a Bauer Supreme. It's not going to fit like that. And, but it's just ingrained in their head. It's like, I need this specific brand. It's right. the most obnoxious thing in the world. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. Like, the the people who just don't know what they're talking about or like sometimes you get like the mom who has a kid who asked for a certain shoe and they come in looking for them like i had this one mom who came in she was like or actually it was a grandmother and she came in and she was like my grandson wants the space jam jordans do you guys have those no and i was like like the 11s I was like, yeah, let me, uh, let me open up. We had like a, and like an iPod touch device that you could look up everything. I was like, let me go to eBay. Let me look this up. And I showed her the price and she like her, her jaw dropped. You could see like all of the thoughts that she had of the money that was going on in the great depression. She was like, she was like, so she's like, I can't believe someone would spend that kind of money on shoes. I was like, that's, that's what you're looking for. That's a collectible. You're that's not going to find that here. That is absolutely insane. So I, I was never a sneakerhead, and I still wouldn't consider myself to be a sneakerhead at all. But when I started working with a couple of people who who had experience working in that industry, mm-hmm. I found myself taking more interest in kind of classic or retro shoes. And I've wanted a pair of Air Jordan ones in the original colorway mm-hmm. or the band colorway mm-hmm. for the so long. Or the orange and black. Is it orange and black, or is it I red think and the, black? The band one is orange and black. The, the I think the the original, and then the original ones are white, red, and red. And, yeah, white, red, and black. Yeah. Why would it have been orange? Because the uh, color of a orange basketball. Band Jordan one. Let me just make sure. Let me just make sure. Yeah. Oh, this is a shattered backboards. I'm thinking of. Go ahead. Sorry. What the fuck are shattered backboards? It's it's just it's, there's so many different fucking stupid fucking names for Jordans. Yes, the the band black and reds. Sorry, go ahead. No, now I'm now I'm curious about what a shattered backboard is. Uh, shattered backboards. Is it like a is it a brand of shoe? No, it's the Jordan Jordan One Shattered Backboard is the name of it. Um. Is there like a way I can find like the story? Is inspired by the uniform colors worn by MJ in 1986 when he shattered a glass backboard while dunking in an Italian exhibition game. Oh, 
Yeah, I I would have had no idea about that. <laughs> there that's is. pretty badass, though. Yeah, that's fucking. That's sick. the one. I, that's the one I always think of when I think of the band. But that's like what I'm talking about is just that classic retro-looking sneaker. Yeah. That you could get in a millions of colorways, or like probably more like hundreds. Right. But it, they all look good. Yeah, it's a, it's a classic look. The and only, and bled and black and red, white and red. Those are those are always gonna be fly. Yeah. The the only thing that I don't get is sometimes they release them in different qualities. So they'll sell them retail one twenty uh-huh. or they'll sell them retail one sixty, and they only sell the one sixty ones, which is like that kind of leather material or something. Right. They'll only sell those when it's a like a release from Jordan or from uh-huh. Nike. So you just kind of like have to keep your fingers crossed that they release a colorway that you want in that type of shoe. Right. That you and get then, like the good, good yeah. quality. Yeah. I mean, it get, you get caught up in it, like working there. I think at my high point, I think I had like 40 pairs, which I was never a big sneaker guy before I started working there. And I wouldn't necessarily, I'm a sneaker guy now, but like, I've definitely had an, an appreciation for a lot of different ones. And, yeah. uh, you you start to find your favorites and styles that you like, colorways that you like, and you look for those releases, and then you never fucking ever win them on the sneakers app when they come out. So and and so they don't actually release them to like the stores or anything anymore. They just say we're gonna have a raffle. You submit, and you may or may not win. I think some stores still do the releases. Like, I want to say like Foot Locker still does some. Because of the store that I worked at, we it was a, a retail level. So, mm-hmm. like, there was the, the inline store up in Boston, which was the main store. Yep. Um, that was, like, they'd get the good, they get, like, the really good stuff. They get every, like, product launch and all that stuff. And then sometimes it would fall down to us and we'd get releases once in a f- every few months. And uh, people would go crazy, man. Yeah. For certain stuff. There was a pine green Air Jordan that was released like two or three years ago that I would have purchased if I had the money for it, but then realized once again, it was like, oh, you actually had to do a raffle or Mm -hmm. be the first person in line at three o'clock in the morning outside the store. I don't, I'm not that desperate for them. <laughs> there, there was crazy, bro. Like we would go up, there was releases. We had a store up in New Hampshire at the time that was just for employees. So it was like, you would go up there. Everything is 50% off. You'd get your discount on everything. Um, and they would do releases. So we would go up like the night before you'd go up. There's a little like gas station rest stop area next door that would have like a movie theater some food like so we'd go in we'd we'd get in line put our chairs down go over, <laughs> go over to the gas station like get some food watch some movies go back to our cars maybe sleep for a little bit and then you'd have to be like fresh out er, br- bright and early in the morning like six o'clock in your chair <laughs> so that it could open up, up at like nine or ten I, I no i wouldn't do it i wouldn't do it wouldn't do i so i did midnight releases for games for a stretch of probably six or eight months. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was probably back in like 2013, 2014. 
and I lived near a GameStop where like people went to it, but people right. didn't go to the midnight releases. And I would literally wait until five of to leave my house, <laughs> drive to the store, get there for like twelve oh five, walk in, no one's in line, pay for the game, no pre-order, none of that bullshit, walk out, go home and play it. Well, not play it. I actually would just start downloading it. Right. Because that's the generation of gaming that we're living in right now where it takes away all that initial excitement uh-huh. where you could just pick up a copy of the game, put it in your system, and start playing right away. Right. You can't do that anymore. No. I I did game releases forever. I did them for probably like probably like Black Ops 1 all the way up until like maybe two or three years ago. And I'd every once in a while I'll get mood and I'll be like, Hey guys, you want to go to a, a Madden release? Cause like they'll do like tournaments for Madden. Yeah. And you'll just go and like, like the one near me uh, is in like a, it's like a strip mall. Um, and there's a Buffalo Wild Wings across the street. So like <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings would like host a tournament. Like, yeah. Yeah. At like 1130, everybody was just there just playing Madden on like the big TVs that they have there it was so sick. Those were they're, they're just like fun times. And uh, I definitely missed that. I haven't done that in a while. Yeah. Fucking COVID. Fuck the shit, man. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so done with this. I can't wait to just go to the movies, man. That's, that's what I'm really looking forward to. I'm not a guy who watches a ton of movies, but on like my day off every once in a while, just yeah. stopping at the movie theater, just chilling, watch, grabbing a grabbing a giant 75-ounce soda and uh, $300 of snacks and just yep. sit there and just <laughs> watch watch some random movie just because I can. But nothing that would be less than like an hour and 45 minutes. Right, I'll say course. even 90 minutes. If you go to a movie, if you pay to go to a movie, and it's less than 90 minutes and you're spending, I don't know, $15 a ticket, maybe you're spending like $8 for popcorn and seven dollars for a drink of you know normal size yeah you could spend about three hundred dollars combined yeah no, for real, for real so that could be the uh the most expensive 90 minutes of your life <laughs> and it's a uh, and it's just not worth it for some some of these times i wonder if it's ever going to be like that again like i wonder if movie theaters are going to be the same i don't know i mean I think at this point, they should have been able to replace the floors, so they should be less sticky. Um, so digging up like, digging yeah. up like 20 years of just soda, candy, other fluids, um, just like picking all this stuff up and chiseling yeah. away at the floor. Yeah, I'm glad you stepped in <laughs> on that because I was actually going to say it. And uh, I was like, I don't know if we're there yet as far as our, our group of listeners. We'll, uh, we'll put a poll. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. So that brings us to the end of another episode. But before we go, as we always like to do, tell me what you're looking forward to this week. What's your, uh, what's your final blow? This week is going to be another installment of the Celtics beating that 76ers ass up and down the court. And, uh, I mean, it's been happening for years. Uh, I really hope the Celtics bring that, uh, that confetti that the 76ers prematurely dropped from a couple <laughs> years ago. And I hope, I hope they just drop it all over them. 
I'm ready for I'm ready for them to move on to the second round. This is uh this is the best time of year for I think for both of us because we we finally get to combine the NBA playoffs with the NHL playoffs. Except now it, in like a month it's going to be with the NFL season. So that's obviously looking way far ahead. This week I'm just looking forward to being able to continue watching the Bruins and seeing how they can handle Carolina. I think this series is destined to go at least six or seven games. And uh, it means we got a lot of hockey ahead of us. So, so that is what I'm looking forward to. That's my final blow. Again, be sure to follow us on our social media accounts. I can be found on Twitter and Instagram at NickMara94. Mike, where can you be found once again? Twitter, Mike Masala, Mike underscore Masala, M-A-S-A-L-A. Instagram, Mike Masala NFL. Till next time, Mike. Later. Peace.